Welcome to the Lake Point Church Weekend Messages Podcast. Thanks for joining us to hear the latest sermons happening at our church. We pray that God speaks to you in a timely way through this message. And if you're encouraged by this podcast, be sure to rate, review, and share it to help get the word out. You can find more digital content to feed your faith and our other podcasts by visiting lakepoint.church/digital. Now, let's tune into the message for today. One family and um, hey, you guys got your Bibles. Let's head over, to, head over to Psalm 23. Psalm 23. We're gonna be this morning. Oh, and by the way, um, for those of you who are there, uh, how was marriage night? Was that all right? Yeah, man, it's a blast hearing from Doctor Doctor Tony Evans, uh, the goat. And uh, man, it was just absolutely awesome. Um, I do just want to say this, um, man. You know, I think nine months from now, nursery is gonna be full at Lake Point. It's gonna be awesome and. We did, we did our, our job, and uh, <laughs> I do, I do want to say this. I think um, there's a lot of people, we had tons of people who were like, you are new, or like for some of you, that was literally your first uh, experience with Lake Point. And uh, man, here's what I would say is some of you, you may have felt like, man, God is doing something in my life or, or, or in our marriage, and I, I need you to know this, like increasingly at Lake Point, we feel this conviction. We don't just want to make strong disciples. We want to, we want to, we want to build strong families. And the reason for that is great disciples make great families, great families um, raise godly offspring. And what we want to see is one generation shall tell of your work to the next. And so that, that's what the Bible says. So we, we want to help that happen, not just to change your life, but change your legacy. And, and you need to know this. Let me just straight talk, man. You may have left going, oh man, I, I really intend or I really hope or I've got a, you know, I've got a great feeling or intention um, for uh, our marriage to change, our family to change. Here's, here's what I'd say. Direction, not intention, determines your destination. It, it doesn't matter like what you wish would happen. You got to move in that direction to see it happen. And what the Bible says is that God's system for changing your life is relationships with other godly people uh, in, in, in godly marriage is, that, is that, if that's the area that you need help in your life. So here's what I'd say, man. We got amazing groups. I actually just do this right now, all of our campuses. If you're in a life group, would you make some noise? Would you do that right now? All right. So here's what you're seeing. That's right. That's a lot of people. All those people are going, this, ha- this has been something God used in my life. I want to see that happen for you. So if you're ready to take that step and, and check it out, um, uh, coming up uh, after marriage night, you can just text the word READY, READY to 2041. We'll help you make that happen. All right, here we go. Psalm 23, we are in week two of a series. This is my favorite kind of series. Um, we are calling it Hills and Valleys. Hills and Valleys. And here's what we're doing. We are only seven weeks away from Easter. And so what we're doing is we are preaching through the hills and the valleys all throughout the Bible where where people have a unique encounter with the living God. And we're leading up to, on Easter, we're going to celebrate and look at Mount Calvary because that mountain held a tomb and that tomb could not hold a body. And if the tomb is empty, then anything's possible, man. Anything's possible. And that's like our whole thing here. And so like each week, we're like just taking a section of the scriptures where God has an encounter with somebody in a hill or a valley 
And we're, we're looking at like what he did because, well, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna, I can't give away the sermon. I'm, I'm gonna say why we're gonna do that here in a second. Today, we're looking at like a Mount Everest of the Bible, arguably the most famous passage in the Bible, Psalm 23. I'm gonna start out just by reading it. Um, if you're newer to Christianity, newer to faith, might not be familiar. Some of this may sound familiar though. Here's what it says. There's only one word in yellow I need you to say out loud. It's the first one. Give it to me with, with some gusto here. Here we go. The Lord is my... Shepherd, great job, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. I love that. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And then it goes on. I will never walk through any valleys in my life. Only awesome things will happen to me from now on. Do y'all remember this part of the song? Uh, uh, For you are with me. My Gucci and my Louis Vuitton, they comfort me. Do you guys remember this? this? Okay. And then it says, lights will always turn green. Marriage will always be easy. The Cowboys will start winning Super Bowls again. That's what it says, you know. And uh, I will become rich and famous and everyone will love me until the end of my life. And then I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Okay, Psalm 23. Now, do do you guys, you remember that? Is that how? No, thank you. I needed righteous indignation. No, because I wanted, you know, something in you actually should revolt against this. And, and here's what, now here's why I did that. I want to make a point. Um, because if you were to just read the first few verses of the Psalm, Psalm 23, think about it. If you were to just read, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. And then you were to stop there and somebody were to go, hey man, so I'm with the shepherd and I'm doing what the shepherd tells me to do, you would think it'd go, well, then I'll never have any valleys in my life. Everything's gonna be awesome, right? That's like actually not what it says. Okay, here's what it says. Actually, David says this. He says, actually, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he says, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me is what he says. Okay, now, um, this brings me, this whole concept of valleys, it triggered in my mind Um, a story in the Bible that actually you've read it before, but you probably forgot it, um, that that talks about the concept of of our valleys. Okay, now I want to remind you of it because you've probably forgotten it. This is, uh, it comes from 1 Kings 20. And 2,900 years ago, um, there was a king in Israel named Ahab. Now, what was going on at that time is Syria, huge empire that was bordering Israel, right, right up next to Israel. And they just kind of got annoyed. They were like, oh man, these Israelites are like really annoying and really pesky and we just, let's just take them out. And so they decided they were gonna conquer Israel and dethrone Ahab. So the Syrian army, huge empire, they gather. And then <laughs> on top of that, they gathered 32 other nations to help them eradicate Israel. So it's 33 on one, man. Like it's the monsters is like, this is the situation, okay? So they come up and then um, honestly, as has happened very often in human history, God miraculously works on behalf of Israel and gives them miraculous victory, okay? So that happens. Now, the very next year, Syria is still like, these dang Israelites, they are so annoying, like, like, like we met, I can't believe we missed it last time. Like total upset, Christian Leitner shot, 1992, whatever. Let, let's just, let's like go back and figure out what went wrong. So all the generals come in and, you know, it's like all the, the C-suite executives. So like, let's do a post-op. Let's do an auto, let's autopsy the failure. And they get on all the battle maps, the little monocles or whatever they did. And they, they start looking at everything. And uh, they go, 
how could we not have seen this? It's very obvious why we lost this battle. And, uh, you know, this is very, very easy. And, and here's what they say. They diagnose it like this in 1 Kings 20, 23. They say, well, here's why we lost. The Syrian military advisors went to their king and they explained, here's what it is. We're so dumb. Israel's God is the God of the hills. And we fought Israel in the hills. You know, that, that, that was the thing. That's why they defeated us. So here's what we'll do. If we fight them in the valleys, that's all we got to do where they're weak then we'll defeat them there. Duh! So that's what they do. They all gather uh, for, a, you know, uh, another battle. They're going like, you know, it's Israel v. Syria part two. It's the sequel. And it's the same thing. It's a huge uh, mismatch. Uh, estimated 100,000 Syrian soldiers against 7,000 Israeli soldiers. And, uh, and God sees it. And again, he works on behalf of Israel and he promises y'all are gonna actually wipe them out. Like it's going to be, you're going to run away with this thing. And he tells Israel why he's going to make sure they do that. And here's what he says. Watch what he says. Verse 28, because the Syrians think that I am only the God of the hills and not the God of the valleys, I'm going to give you victory over this huge army. Why? So that everyone will know that I am the Lord. Okay, now check this out. All right, let me, I'm going to condense this entire sermon into a few sentences. Guys, listen to me. God is not just the God of your mountaintop experiences. He's the God of your valleys too. He's the God of the hills and he's the God of the valleys. God says, I am both God of hills and God of valleys. I am not just God when everything is awesome in your life. He's going, I am just as present, just as active, just as sovereign, just as powerful when things are going, when you're in a valley too, I'm there. I'm the God of the hills and I'm the God of your valleys. Now, now watch this. Um, what's interesting is that I'd, I'd actually take it a step further. I think that the, the, actually the, the theology of the Bible, it actually kind of shows us not only is God just as present and active uh, in the valleys as the mountaintops, but that in some ways, he's actually, in some ways, actually more active. And I'm gonna show you this in a second. Now, I'm gonna give you an example of this. Um, to give you this example, I have to make you do something that you don't want to do. I need you to think about 2020 again, okay? So just, you know, put away the PTSD and just remember for me for a second. So I want you to think about this, okay? Now, uh, 2020, COVID lockdown, all the things. Like for a lot of people, they'd go, that, y'all, that was like a rock bottom year, like rough year. Now, here's what's interesting. Two or three years later, People in our nation, especially my generation down, younger people, college campuses, are more open to the things of God far more than they were before. In fact, what we're seeing is some, some little embers that I'm hoping God just blows a flame on uh, to turn into a bonfire of like revival happening on college campuses throughout our nation. Okay, now, now, now I wanna show you something real quick about why that is, all right? So think about how that year went, rock right bottom, all right? Now, you may not remember this. Do you remember how it started? Here was the first blow. You were like, nobody's got toilet paper. Man, it's terrible, man. <laughs> it's awful. It's, it's really stinks, all right? And then uh, the next thing that happened, it was, it was like, oh, and then came the lockdowns, right? Okay. And then all of a sudden, okay, the economy crashed. Man, this is really tough, just lower and lower. And then like, oh, man, everybody's mental health. Just, oh, man, this is, this is really, really rough. And then the next thing that happened is, you know, everybody's trapped there. Like, oh, man, my marriage is terrible. It got, got down here. And then the worst thing you could ever imagine happened to you, you became a homeschool mom. 
And it, you know, and it was like, man, this is, this is rock bottom. I'm at rock bottom as 2020. But can I tell you something? Here, here's what I've learned. People talk about mountaintop experiences with God, but what I've seen is that valleys will teach you lessons that mountaintops never will. That actually, in the words of Dr. Tony Evans, sometimes God will let you hit rock bottom so you'll discover he's the rock at the bottom. That, that what God will do is he will sometimes knock you flat on your back so you are finally looking in the right direction. You see, the reason this works, listen to me, is because you'll never realize God is all you need until God is all you have. See, this is what it's saying right here, man. It's saying this. Now, now check this out. What happens in this spot is you, you got to understand this. Is he says, listen how he says it. What's your comfort in the valley when you hit rock bottom? He says, I will fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Now, do you understand this? I will fear no evil. Now, you got to understand when you start walking with God, that does not mean you're not going to be afraid anymore. What it means is you're going to discover that there is something behind you that is bigger than anything in front of you that you are afraid of. So you have, you have resources to be able to overcome your fear with faith. That your faith can actually override your fear because there is something greater within you than he that is in the world. Man, there's this, um, there's this lot of Bible in this sermon. This is my favorite kind of sermon, a lot of Bible here. Um, in Joshua chapter one, there was this young leader. We're gonna call him Josh because that's how I like it. This, this young leader, and, uh, and uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if any of this will sound at all familiar to you guys, but, but what had happened was there was a generational leader that had led God's people for 40 years that they loved. And then there was, God called this younger leader named Josh to get out there and lead. And, uh, and he stepped, you know, I don't know, <laughs> does that sound familiar? And then, uh, so God goes, okay, he transitions the, the first leader away and he goes, Josh, you're up. And, and Joshua walks out and in Joshua chapter one, God tells him three times, he says, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. Do you know why he said that three times? Because Joshua felt weak and afraid, weak and afraid, weak and afraid. Now think about it. What was the reason that God told Joshua he didn't have to be afraid? Was it because, man, Josh, you don't got to be afraid because you're just so daggum awesome? Did he say, man, Josh, you don't got to be afraid because you're a puppy's breath, you're a snowflake, you poop Skittles, you're a rainbow. All you got to do, man, is like, you just, all your feelings are always right and you just got to manifest your inner desires and you're going to be awesome because you're just an awesome person. Did he say, here's why you don't got to be afraid? Because you're good enough, you're smart enough and doggone it, people like you. <laughs> no, no, he didn't say any of those things. You remember what he said? He said, be strong and courageous for I am with you. The reason you don't gotta be afraid is because what's behind you and for you is greater than what's in front of you and against you. And I'm always gonna be with you. Now, I, I wanna put this, I'm just gonna walk through this Psalm. I wanna put this in perspective because a lot of you guys are in valleys right now and you're going, what's my comfort right now? So he says, I will fear no evil, why for you are with me. All right, so so let, me, let me make this personal. So uh, our family, we, <laughs> we, absolutely love Texas. Like we're all in on Texas, like we're Texas to the bone. Like we want it like Texas for life. That's our goal, man. We love the place. And what we've discovered, like there's a reason everybody's moving here because this is still America. You know, it's like people like, people like there's a reason, man. And so like, we, you know, we, we, we like it, you know? But um, there's one thing that's not awesome and, and it's, it's the geckos. We are out on the geckos. Like I never, I never seen a gecko till we, till we moved here. And uh, what happened was like a couple years ago, my son, Hudson, was like super into 
How to Train Your Dragon, the movies. And he became convinced that geckos were baby dragons. So what would happen is at night, we'd be putting him in a bed and he would see all the time, we're like, man, we'd walk out on the front porch, you turn on the lights, all these geckos, they're like five little thumbs scurrying away at the same time. And he'd be like, man, he would think that when, that when it gets dark, the geckos are, are the, the dragons. He thought they were dragons, the dragons are there. So what he'd do is we'd start putting him down to bed and he'd say, he'd get real scared and he'd say, dad, are there any, are there any dragons in the room? Now, I did not say No, Hudson, there's no dragons in the room. Here's why I didn't say that. I didn't do it for two reasons. One, there actually might be a gecko in the room. That's that's one. But number two, I didn't say that because listen, y'all, y'all understand, we live in a world where dragons actually do exist. There is evil in this world. And someday we're gonna need that young boy to stand up and act like a man and slay some dragons in the name of his Lord Jesus Christ. Like, well, we're gonna need that. And so like, I, I, I want him to understand that. But here's what I would say is I would just, I would lay down with him on the bed and I'd say, hey, Hudson, I'm going to lay here with you until you fall asleep, and I'm going to be with you. And I'd say, and what you got to know is your dad can destroy any dragon, any of them. And then I'd step it up, and I'd go, and son, by the way, there's a lamp on the a table next to your bed. And if we get scared, all we got to do is turn on the light, and wherever the light comes, the darkness has to flee. Are y'all picking up like what I'm putting down? is when David says, I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. I'm walking through shadow. I'm walking through darkness, but I don't have to fear any evil for you are with me. What he's saying is that number one, I don't got to be scared because my father's with me and my father is stronger than anything that's going to come against me. And he's for me, not against me. Greater is he that is with me than he that is in the world. I don't got to be scared. Oh, and by the way, he is the light of the world. And wherever the light comes, the darkness has to flee. David says, that's my comfort in this spot, and that's why I don't gotta be afraid. Now, listen, the comfort is not, I will never walk through valleys. The comfort is, even in the valleys, the Lord is my shepherd in the valleys. Y'all understand it now? um, Check this out. When he says, the Lord is my shepherd, the implication is that you are sheep. That is not a compliment. (laughs) Yeah, that's you just need to know this. Like, over and over again, The Bible refers to us as sheep. You remember Jesus said at one time, he looked out and he became, he started to weep. And it says that he was filled with compassion because he looked out and the people were as sheep without a shepherd. Um, There's another time in the book of Isaiah where Isaiah said, God says, all we, all of you, all we like sheep have gone astray. In fact, sheep, they are the most frequently mentioned animals in the Bible. Let Let me just put this in perspective. There are two, over 200 mentions of sheep in the Bible. Second is horses at 160 mentions. Distant third, dogs, 40 mentions. There are zero mentions of cats, but it does talk about demons. So it does that. So, so, this, so over and over again, you know, it's like sheep. Now, so the Bible's going, you, the implication is if he's the shepherd, we are sheep, you are sheep. And that is not a compliment. Now, some of you are like, well, what's wrong with sheep? You know, you walk into the Christian bookstore and you see the big fluffy sheep and they're white and they're pretty and they're fluffy and they're clean. No, no. Have you ever seen a sheep? From a distance, sheep look awesome. You get up close to a sheep, not awesome. Not awesome, okay? You get close to a sheep, they are dirty, they are dingy, they are gross, and they are dumb. And God goes, you know what? That reminds me of some people I know. You go, man, you, you are sheep is what he says right here, man. 
Now, part of the reason he says he makes me lie down in green pastures is you got to understand this. Sheep are one of the only animals in the wild that cannot distinguish between something that is edible and something that is poisonous. Like they will, a sheep will literally walk up to something that will kill it and it will start eating and it'll, it'll go and go and go and go until it's poisoned and it's dead. Now, some of you hear that and you're like, oh my gosh, can you believe there is a creature stupid enough to just keep ingesting something that if it is continually ingested, it will kill it? Can you believe there's a creature that stupid? And then that same person is going to go out and order like five chalupas and a big gulp of Mountain Dew from Taco Bell today. Let me just, sheep, man, sheep. Uh, sheep are defenseless. By the way, all this stuff I'm getting right here, I got it from a pastor named Joby Martin. I saw a lot of the stuff in this sermon. He pointed this stuff out to be really helpful. Sheep are defenseless. They are defenseless. Number one, they're white. You think about this, against a, a backdrop of a forest or a meadow, a white sheep, they might as well like shoot a flare. It's like the Krispy Kreme hot now sign, like eat me, snack, right? So they're white. But number two, uh, think about this. Almost every other animal in the animal kingdom, they have some fight or flight mechanism in them, okay? So predator comes, it can fly away, it can run, it's got camo, it's got horns, teeth, fangs, it's got something. Not sheep. Sheep, here's all they can do. Like, don't do that. That's weird, man. That's weird. <laughs> <laughs> they're just going to, let me compose myself. All right. They're just going to stand there. That's all they can do, man. They're just going to stand there. And oh, by the way, they were created with literal Velcro from head to toe. So if a predator comes and wants to grab it, 100% of the time, it's going to get a really good grip. Okay. In fact, the only thing on the planet that needs a full-time employee to make sure it makes it to the morning are two things, uh, hum, baby humans and sheep. That's it. Now, it says, he leads me beside still waters. Why does it say that, man? Okay, I'm gonna do two poses for you in the next couple minutes, and I'm never gonna do this for you again, but you need to see it. This is your last chance, okay? Here's why I said he leads me beside still waters. Sheep are so dumb. They're like squirrel, you know? It's like they just kind of focus on something. They're so dumb that they'll see white water, like moving water, and their eyes will get fixated on it, and they'll come up to white water, and they'll stick their head into the white water, just hoping to, you know, take a drink. All the wool on their head will get saturated with water, and they'll literally just fall over. They'll just fall right in there and die. So watch this. They'll take a good gift that God has given. They will overindulge themselves in it, and they will die. Now, what the Bible says is that our good shepherd, what he does is he leads us to still water. Our good shepherd, he, he will lead you to places of restoration and nourishment. What our shepherd does is he goes, hey man, come and feed on my word. Get peace in prayer. Get power in worship. Come and Sabbath into the goodness of your loving heavenly father. You see, he leads us beside still waters. Watch this. It says, he restores my soul. You know, there's a book. It's written by a guy named Philip Keller. The title of the book is A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. So this dude that was actually like a lifelong shepherd, not many of those around. By the way, are there any like professional shepherds in the room? I'm always, I have asked this a million times. Not one time has anybody raised their hand. So this, this dude is a shepherd. He literally, he just, lifelong shepherd. He looked at Psalm 23 and he started writing all this stuff that normal people like non-shepherds like us would not understand. And on this, here's what he says. Interesting. Um, sheep, again, this is your other pose. I'm never doing it for you again. 
Sheep, uh, one of the most dangerous things happens to sheep is they get what's called cast, okay, cast. Now, here's what, here's what it means to get cast, okay? Sheep, when a sheep gets cast, it's like when a tortoise gets on its back and can't flip over. So sheep is just doing this thing. <laughs> All right, that's, I'm never doing that for you again. That's it, we're done. So and it, it can't flip over like a beetle. It can't flip over. Now, when that happens, what the shepherd has to do, but by the way, um, I fell down a TikTok rabbit hole this week. On TikTok, there's a whole shepherd subculture on TikTok of shepherds in like Arabia and Britain just posting stupid videos of stupid things sheep have done. And I fell down all the way down the rabbit hole. Um, I wanted to show some of the videos. I couldn't show any of them because shepherds have terrible language. I learned that this week, okay? But, but what a shepherd has to do when a sheep gets cast is they gotta come up and they gotta, one, they gotta flip over the sheep because a sheep will die if it stays like that for 24 hours. But here's the other thing. A shepherd can't just flip the sheep over and then be done because when a sheep is cast, it loses circulation in its legs. So if the shepherd flips it over and just leaves it, it'll start to run. And because his, his legs feel dead, it'll just flip over, become cast again, and it, it'll die. So what the shepherd has to do is he's got to flip it over, hold it in place, and then rub it all over on the places where the deadness has set in. Watch this. To restore circulation to the place that's become dull and dead. And you see, what God does is he comes alongside of his sheep and it says, he restores my soul. Hey, Lake Point family. Some of y'all, you need your soul restored. Y'all understand this? There is no vacation that can restore your soul. There is no pill that you can get prescribed that can restore your soul. There is no rel human relationship that can restore your soul. No amount of Netflix binging gonna restore your soul. But watch this, the good shepherd, he can restore your soul. This is what he does, is he comes along and he goes, hey, let me be that for you. And then it says this, it says, he leads us in paths of righteousness, listen really close, for his name's sake. Now let me start at the end of this verse and preach my way backwards. Why does he do this? He leads us in paths of righteousness, listen, for his name's sake. Y'all, you, you gotta understand, Jesus died for you, but it is not all about you. Now, what the Bible says, you, there, there's gotta come a moment in your life where you have what I call a personal Copernican revolution, where you wake up and you begin to realize, man, the whole universe actually doesn't revolve around me, that actually I was created to revolve around something else with more glory, more honor, more worthiness than me, that Jesus Christ is before all things, and that what I gotta do is I gotta understand the world doesn't revolve around me, I was created to revolve around him. And until you understand that, until you understand that Jesus Christ is before all things, you have a personal Copernican revolution and you start reverse engineering every part of your life backwards from he is before all things. Until you do that, it does not matter how you orient your life, you are going to be disoriented until you do that. You gotta understand that history is his story and that everything is about him. Jesus died for you, but it is not all about you. But watch this, Why does he, what does he do for his glory? It says, he leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now, uh, why does it say he leads us in paths of righteousness? So check this out. Every other animal, horse, dog, cat, if they wander away, like they got like a honing beacon in their head, sense of direction where they'll wander away, but then they're gonna come back home. Not sheep. 
A sheep will literally, there are like stories you can go read from shepherds of sheep that they just started walking and they kept walking and walking and walking and walking until they died. Like a total Forrest Gump situation. I just felt like walking. And they just walk until they die. Uh, Here's the other thing about sheep. Um, They don't have, like almost every other animal has this. On these little TikTok videos, you can go see sheep, they get stuck in the stupidest situations. Like there'll be a cave, wide open cave, a little crook in the back. And a sheep will just wander up into the crook and it will get stuck there. And all it would have to do to get out is this. Sheep ain't gonna do that. It's just gonna keep like going, well, maybe if I push hard enough, I'll go through this stone mountain. That's his strategy. Now, listen, some of you hear that and you're like, oh my gosh, what a stupid creature. It was in a bad situation. All I had to do was back up to get out and it wouldn't. And then like, hey, but like, how many times have you gotten in like a toxic relationship and all you would have had to do to get out is that? And you kept just going, or you started into an addiction. And all you would have had to do to get out is that right there. But you didn't. You know why? Because all we, like sheep, have gone astray. Now, just listen, I want to boil all this terrible sense of direction. I want to give you a visual. Okay, so check this out. Like I said, I fell down the, the shepherd TikTok this week. And there was one video that I was like, oh, I can actually show that one. Because they're speaking a different language, they may be cursing the entire time, but you'll have no idea, okay? So this is an actual video of like a shepherd rescuing a sheep. And when I watch it, here's what I want you to have in your head. This is like an actual depiction of your entire relationship with Jesus your whole life. All right, check this out. So here's what happens. This sheep, he's getting this dude's, you know, sheep just kept trying to go down because he thought, you know, couldn't back up. Shepherd gets him out. Woo-hoo, I'm free. But... That's it. Right back, man. You see how that works? Now listen, man. Y'all are laughing. I laugh too. But when I look back on my life, that's my whole relationship with Jesus. Just one after another, after another, after another. And my good shepherd comes and he gets me out over and over and over again, y'all. Now listen, the whole point, listen, man is we need somebody to lead us in paths of righteousness because all we like sheep have gone astray. I'm, um, so I'll make this personal. Uh, I love, I love old hymns, man. I love them. I got a whole iPhone note on my phone with probably like the lyrics of like 15, 20 old hymns. And I just sing them to myself on my morning prayer walk. I take a 20 minute prayer walk and I pray on the way out and I worship on the way back. And I'll just like sing some of those old hymns. One of my favorite ones is Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And you guys remember, there's a lyric in that psalm that says this. It says, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Now, how many of you guys, when you hear that, you're like, man, I feel that. I feel in my soul. Prone to wander, Lord. Who feels that? Okay, there's these people and all the liars sitting next to them. (laughs) Because when you look at your life, you're going to go, man, there's something inside of me that's just like, I'm prone to wander, Lord. I feel it, but, but check this out, man. So that Philip Keller book, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. Do you know what a shepherd would do? Every now and then, there's a, there'd be a shepherd that would have a little baby sheep that was real prone to wander. If that happened, what a shepherd would do is he would take this little baby sheep and that shepherd would know, man, if he keeps wandering, he's gonna get eaten by, by wolves. 
And so what the shepherd would do is he would literally, he, he explained his book, he would take the front legs of this little baby sheep and crack its legs, like fracture the legs of the sheep. And it would take about three months for the bones of those legs to heal. And for the next three months, that little baby sheep would just be tucked right up under the shoulder of the shepherd. And so every day that shepherd would be personally feeding that little baby sheep. He'd be personally holding it up to still waters, restoring its soul. Every time the flock needed to move, do you know what the shepherd would do? He would gently gather up this bruised sheep and he'd put it over his shoulders and he would personally carry it to the next place. And you know what happened? Over the course of the next three months, that little baby sheep would become so accustomed to intimacy and closeness with the shepherd, never stray again. Do y'all see what God will do in your life sometimes is he will allow a small pain in your life for a greater purpose of you having intimacy with your shepherd and knowing him closely. He's, he's gonna do that in your life. Now, some of you hear that and you're like, no, if you, some of you hear that who you've been listening to me preach the last few months and you're like, wait, alarm bells. But Josh, you said God would never punish us for our sins. Well, well check this out. You gotta understand the difference between three things, punishment, discipline, and consequences. You gotta, those are three different things. All right, listen real close. Punishment is retribution. The goal of punishment is to pay you back for the wrong that you've done. It's a form of revenge. But watch this. Discipline is different than punishment because discipline, listen, is a loving attempt to mold character. Think about a parent disciplining their child. That parent has a future-oriented love for their child. They're looking at their kid and they're going, I can see something great that I know you could become. And so as a father, I'm gonna marshal all of my energies into training, into raising you to become and grow into your full potential as a young man or woman of God. I'm gonna marshal my energies of my life and lay down my life for you, son, for you, daughter. And a good dad, what he'll do is he will allow small pains of discipline into that child's life to prevent that child from huge pains later on in their life. You see, so what this is, discipline is not retribution, it's formation. But watch this, there's a third category. The third category is consequences. Consequences are the natural results from bad decisions. So like if you're sleeping with somebody outside of marriage and then your girlfriend gets pregnant and you're like, oh, God is punishing me. Bro, that's not punishment, that's biology. That's biology. If you cheat on your spouse and lose the trust of your wife, that's consequences. If you do sloppy work and lose your job, that's consequences. Now listen, let me tie all this together. Believers will suffer the consequences for their sins. And sometimes God will use those consequences to discipline them. But listen to me, no Christian anywhere will ever suffer punishment from God because Jesus was punished fully in our place so that all that's left for us is mercy. That's how all that works together, man. So check this out. And actually it's even better than that. It says not just that he'll allow pain for greater glory, he'll actually use pain in your life. I love this so much. David says it like this. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He says, everybody who tried to do evil to me, they're gonna watch you redeem something in my life. They're gonna watch you do good to me. They're gonna watch me flourish and you're gonna do it right in front of them. 
He actually says it like this. What, he, what he's saying is God will take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it for good. Now, I, I want to preach right here, man. It is, now, now, listen, there's an old Pentecostal preacher story. Old, it's just an old preacher story, old Pentecostal preacher story. There was this widow. who She was a widow. She was totally penniless. She had nothing. She had, no, like, not even food. And so every day she'd get up and right in front of her window, she would pray like, God, fill my pantry. God, fill my pantry. God, fill my pantry. And every day that there was still food in her pantry, she'd walk back to the kitchen, open the door, still food there. And she'd just start praising like, God did it. God did it. God did it. And her window was open. So there was this next door neighbor, grumpy next door neighbor who hated her faith, hated her praise. He got really tired of hearing her praise this God that doesn't even exist in his mind. And so, he, so what he did is here's what he did. One day she wakes up and she prays, God, fill my pantry. God, fill my pantry. While she's praying, she hears a knock at the door. She goes to the door, opens the door. There's food all over her front porch and she starts praising. God did it. God did it. God did it. As soon as she does that, he jumps out and he goes, aha. Aha, I heard you praying. It got really annoying. I heard it every single morning. I got so tired of it that I don't believe in your God. And so I went to the grocery store. I bought all these groceries. I bought them here. I put them on your porch. I heard you start praying for God to fill your pantry. I knocked on the door. You came to the door. I jumped in the bushes and then you started praising. I got to watch you from the bushes. I did all this to watch you praise a God that doesn't even exist. She got a big smile on her face and she just went, God did it. God did it. God did it. He said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. It was all me. It wasn't your God. I'm the one that went to the grocery store. I bought all the stuff. I put it on your porch. I waited for you to start praising. I did all this so that I could watch you worship a God that doesn't even exist. And she just did it even louder. She said, God did it. God did it. God did it. And he made the devil pay for it. Now listen, man, that's it. Check this out. I'm talking about a God who can prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemies. I'm talking about a God who will take what the enemy meant for evil and he will turn it for good. I'm talking about a God who can take bad stuff and he can do good stuff with it. I'm talking about a God who can turn valleys of darkness and he will make them gateways of hope that all your entire life, goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life. Your entire life, whenever you walk through a valley, you're gonna hear footsteps behind you. Two loud footsteps. Goodness and mercy, goodness and mercy, goodness and mercy, and they'll be following you all the days of your life. And listen, they're gonna catch up to you and God will redeem what was meant for evil and he will use it for good. He will redeem everything. He will do all that in your life and you will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, man. That's our hope. Now listen, listen, that's, that's what it says right here. You surely I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What does that mean? <laughs> Well, let me ask you this question, all right? At the very beginning of the Psalm, why does it say, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death? What does that mean? Okay, like 70 years ago, 60, 70 years ago, there was a Presbyterian pastor, his name was Donald Barnhouse, amazing pastor, a pastor of 10th Presbyterian in Philadelphia. His wife unexpectedly died when he was still young and his children were very young. And he tells this story that he was on the way to preach the funeral of his wife with his kids in the back, and he stopped at a stoplight. And apparently his son was thinking about this psalm. And so his son from the back seat just said, Dad, what's the valley of the shadow of death? 
And right next to them at the stoplight, there was this huge truck and the sun was positioned at exactly the right angle so that the truck's shadow was cast all over the side of this snow-covered hill. And Donald Barnhouse asked his son, he said, son, would you rather get hit by that truck or its shadow? And the son said, well, man, you know, a shadow couldn't hurt anybody. And he said, that's right. Now watch this. He said, and death is a truck, but the shadow is all that ever touches the Christian. He said, now wait, 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 this gets even better. He said, the truck ran over the Lord Jesus at Calvary, but only the shadow has passed over your mother. Now listen, y'all understand this. They're like, your entire life, Jesus Christ went to the cross. He paid the penalty for your sin. God poured out all the just wrath that should have been poured out on you, on his very own son, because he loved you so much that he was willing to die for you. So that Jesus absorbed all of the wrath of God so that now death will never touch you. In fact, Jesus won't even call it death in the gospels. All he says is, you're just gonna fall asleep. And then someday, every single one of you will wake up in eternal glory, healed and redeemed bodies, perfect futures in the presence of your good shepherd forever. That's what's going to happen to you, man. And that's what some of you need to know when you are walking through a valley of a shadow of death. I want to pray that God would apply that comfort to you right now. And so, man, would would you bow your heads and close your eyes? And Father, I know there's a lot of people walking through valleys right now. Lord, your word says that you are near to the brokenhearted and you save the crushed in spirit. And so, Holy Spirit, would you please draw near with your tender, gentle, healing, Jesus-exalting presence. Father, I pray that you would go ahead now and give these hurting people a sense of the goodness and the mercy of God that is chasing them and will overtake them in time to come. Father, I pray that, that, that these people, they would have a, an over, a felt sense of the nearness of their shepherd as they walk through this valley and that God, that you would begin to take them out of it. Conform us, make us into the image of Jesus. Make us like Jesus. That's what this whole thing's about is for us to be transformed into your son's image. And so please do it, Father. We pray that in the crucified, risen name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thanks for listening today. For more biblical teaching and worship, join us for our church online live weekend services on Saturdays at 5 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 and 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. For more information about all the digital ministries of Lake Point, visit lakepoint.church/digital. digital.